Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of 50 Stories of Transformation. I'm your host, Michaela Lacey, and today we are on story number 12. And for this week's story, it's a little bit different because it's not just a interview, just me asking questions. We're talking about a narrative, a very specific event, um, occurrence that happened within a church in the Baptist Resource Network that just shows, you know, God's hand is in everything. So, for this week, we're sitting down and chatting with two church members from Rolling Hills Baptist Church in Verona, PA. And uh, those church members are Jeff Dawson and Connie Kelly. And just to give you a quick little overview of the story we're going to be talking about, we're going to have them go more in depth with it because they lived it, so they can tell it much better than I can. But in a nutshell, Jeff was in need of a kidney transplant and uh, was not sure if he's going to be able to find a donor. Uh, someone who was a match and Connie was in the same congregation as him and she was a match and she was able to be a donor. So we're talking about how God just perfectly orchestrated them to be in the same place and just the transformative work that he's done through that entire situation. We are also going to be joined with Pastor Greg Dreyer, who is the lead pastor at Rolling Hills Baptist Church. And he's going to just talk us through, you know, what it was like for him to just watch this transformative work just unfold within his church congregation. Also, quick side note and a fun fact about Pastor Dreyer and myself. Pastor Dreyer and his wife attended Edinburgh University, which is the college I'm currently uh, getting my master's degree at. So go Fighting Scots. Uh, We're all on the same page here today. And uh, there's a little fun fact for you guys um, as we go into this interview. But more importantly today uh, than where he went to school, uh, Pastor Treyer is going to join us and share with us, you know, how he just got to see God at work within his church and how that situation uh, just relates back to the gospel. So without further ado, uh, we will jump right on in and start our conversation. Jeff, Connie, and Pastor Dreyer, thank you so much for joining me today and just being willing to share this narrative with us about how Uh, You've just seen God work individually in your lives and within your church. I first want to start, before we get into like the crux of the story, I want to start with a little bit of a background. So um, if you would, tell us a little bit about yourselves, a little bit about when you came to Rolling Hills, how long you've been there, and uh, maybe a fun fact about yourself too. Okay, Connie, you you win. What? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. (laughs) Okay, so um, I am a full-time teacher. I've been teaching for about 27 years, which, you know, makes me feel a little bit old. But anyway, um, I came to Rolling Hills Church through my um, beautiful cousin, Nicole, who happens to be um, the pastor's wife. And she invited me to come to church. And, and the minute I walked in the church, I really just felt at home. Um, you know, it, it's it's a very special family atmosphere that we have there. Um, And there's a closeness to the Lord and there's a closeness with each other and a fellowship that I hadn't really ever experienced before. I came to Christ in a very large church. Um, Again, thanks to my beautiful cousin who happens to be the pastor's wife. And so, and that was a great experience, but it was a different experience. And this was just a very you could feel like just the close knit atmosphere, you know, greeting time was like 10 minutes long and, you know, everybody hugged you regardless of whether or not you knew them. And it was just a genuine place. So that's how I came to Rolling Hills Church. I don't, I don't know a fun fact about myself. I have a dog with three legs. 
there. <laughs> it's a fun fact. <laughs> that's interesting. That's for sure. Um, I came to Rolling Hills probably been about 25 years ago now. And what brought me to Rolling Hills was I had a neighbor who had a son that was about the same age as my middle son. And at the time, Rolling Hills had a program for the kids called Awana that would meet on a Wednesday night. And they would meet before I got home from work. Um, so the neighbor would take his son along with my son to a WANA program. And by the time I got home from work, I would pick them up. So I became, I've met some of the uh, members at Rolling Hills through a WANA program. And as my wife and I were um, trying to settle our family down and trying to figure out where to go to church at, we started thinking of different places in the area. And then she raised the question, well, why not Rolling Hills? So we decided to visit and as Connie said, really friendly atmosphere, family type relationship. So um, we decided, okay, let's go. And uh, we've been there ever since. So we raised our boys there and uh, my uh, younger son is, and well, the whole family in effect is involved with the church through some ministry one way or the other. And the youngest one who was maybe about three when we started at Rolling Hills is now uh, one of the youth directors at the church, which has uh, been really great. So uh, it's been a good time for us. Employment-wise, I um, worked in banking for over 39 years in wealth administration through the, you know, during this period of time or a lot of mergers, a lot of acquisitions. I was um, successful in getting through those different uh, mergers and acquisitions um, and decided to retire early uh, in 2019 in order to focus wholly on my uh, kidney situation. Fun fact about me, I don't, hard for me to think about it other than the fact that uh, if you see my granddaughters, you'll see a different me. So, and I have three of those guys. <laughs> so I've, I've been the pastor, been blessed to be the pastor at Rolling Hills for, this will be, be the start of uh, my seventh year there, this coming October. Um, my my wife, uh, who who Connie mentioned, uh, they her and, and Connie are cousins. Uh, so it was important for us that when we were the area that we lived in, we didn't want to move our children or anything like that. When it came when I had graduated from seminary, and so was really praying that you know God send us to the right church, the church that would would have us that is of Your will, but it would be really great if it would be a church that's close by our house so we don't have to uproot the family. And sure enough, the opportunity uh, presented itself at Rolling Hills, which is a five mile drive from our uh, front door. So just a uh, you know wonderful answer to prayer there. So yeah, I would say, I guess the fun fact for me is uh, being a pastor was my second career choice. I wanted to be a rock star. As bald as I am now, at one point I had all the hair and all that stuff um, playing drums. So thankfully, God God always knows better than we do, and He allowed me this uh, wonderful blessing instead to uh, to pastor at Rolling Hills. All right, wonderful. Thank you all for sharing. I like I like the fun facts: dogs, granddaughters, and rock stars. That could be an awesome title. 
All right, so my next question, um, Jeff and Connie, uh, you both have a very cool story to share about how God just kind of intricately used both of you um, or was able to answer a prayer within your body of Christ uh, at Rolling Hills, uh, specifically with you two. Um, could you kind of share that story with us and start from the beginning and, and share as much as you'd like about it? Hey, Jeff, now you start. I was going to say, since it's, since I'm the... Uh... <laughs> Well, casually turned uh, healthy one in this story. I'll start first. Uh, 2018, uh, late 2017, 2018, I was diagnosed with stage four chronic kidney disease. They determined at that time that my uh, kidneys were functioning at 20% and declining. So at that point, they decided or they recommended that I um, start dialysis and um, start working to get on the national transplant list. Um, so we went through that process of getting prepared. Uh, in July of 2018, I started dialysis. I first started doing it at night, taking nightly treatments three days a week um, in order that I could continue to go to work and work full time. Um, and that worked out well for about six months. And at that point, my wife and I made a decision that um, that I could retire early and switch my uh, night treatments to day treatments. Uh, also, during that time, I uh, attended a um, seminar held by the National Kidney Foundation, which was to teach you how to go about seeking a living donor. Um, after going through the procedure, I was uh, or the process. Kind of got disinherited or you know disenchanted about it because not a real big public person things like that and didn't know a lot of people uh, my family members either weren't um, eligible because of pre-existing conditions and things like that or just um, ignorance as to what it entails in order to be a kidney donor but it in the average time for to get a deceased donor was about five to seven years. So that kind of encouraged my um, reasoning for um, switching, you know, taking early retirement and switching to days. So um, during that process of going at night, you know, I uh, was fortunate to have, my wife and I had dinner with Pastor and Nicole, and Pastor shared with me the fact that um, you know, he, he was already aware of what was happening in my life. And he shared with me the fact that there were members in our church who were concerned about my health, you know, and as Connie said, we're kind of like a close family. So, you know, they were concerned that I had cancer instead and didn't know what was going on. And he encouraged me to um, use the opportunity one Sunday before church service to make an announcement as to what's going on. So my intent at that time was not so much to um, seek a living donor as much as it was as to kind of bring some comfort to my church family. So I did make that announcement. And I think shortly after that, uh, Connie approached my wife and had a conversation with her. And I'll let her tell you about that conversation. Yeah, well, actually at that service, at the end of service, a few of us had come over and you had your the cards. Yeah. Um, and you would, you gave us each one and I called, it kind of started the process. I think that was in the fall, maybe. Um, 
And I just remember just being curious. And so I did, like, I found out what my blood type was because I, I think each step of the process, I kept thinking, well, let's just see what this brings. Like, let's see what my blood type is because maybe this isn't possible at all. But, um, you know, there was definitely a curiosity and there was definitely a prompting there, you know, of the spirit. And so I found out that, you know, my blood type and Jeff's were a match and reading the percentage of people in the population with our blood type, I just thought that's, that was significant to me. So um, then I went through the process of you go online and you fill out some paperwork and then, you know, holidays happened. And um, I don't think I actually spoke to a person, you know, like I, I waited a couple weeks and then I got a phone call and I tried calling back and then I had to leave a message. And um, it, it wasn't until early spring again that we, uh, that I actually spoke to somebody and she's, you know, we went through like a preliminary phone interview and she said, well, you know, let's get you tested. So I went through two days of testing um, at the Starsville Clinic here in Pittsburgh. And the first day was just to test my kidney function. And it, it was kind of funny to me that they sent me to Children's Hospital. <laughs> here I was walking around with like my, my patient <laughs> bracelet and they would call my name and I would get up and people would look at me like, <laughs> that's okay you know um and then the next day I had to go through a series of interviews um and I met like the sur the head surgeon and you know nurses and um social workers and a psycho psychologist and then they did more physical testing um to get an imaging of my kidney and um at that point though I was pretty much like like I'm it if this you know if this all comes back and they Say that I'm a candidate I'm gonna do this and so that happened it was in June and um, I got a phone call and the and the um, nurse coordinator I was working with said you know what's your time frame look like and I had said um, you know I'm a teacher I it has to be July <laughs> like you know I'm going away I have all this we had kingdom kids and stuff in June and they had one appointment in July at 5 30 in the morning and it gave me just enough time, literally, I've counted four weeks between that surgery and my start date at work. <laughs> and so, you know, just the way everything got orchestrated, just such a beautiful um, route for this to happen. So, and so, and that was, you said that was July 2019. Mm -hmm. So, this was pre COVID. Yes. Praise the Lord. <laughs> So Jeff and Connie, how, how has this experience kind of uh, taught you, what has it taught you new about God? Jeff, you want to go first? Sure, I can go first uh, because it is, it's, it's, it's just phenomenal. You know, when my wife and I were at the nephrologist and he said, here's your choices. He said, you need to prepare for dialysis and seek a kidney donor. And I came home and we sat on the edge of the bed through some tears. And I told my wife, you know, I don't care. I don't even want to live anymore. I'm just, I'm done. Because the doctor said the, the other alternative is you do nothing and you could be dead in six months. So we sat on that bed, we cried, and then we prayed. And my answer to prayer from God was, do you trust me? 
And I said, Lord, I do trust you. He said, well, now you start acting like it. And it was from that point on that, you know, I said, okay, God, it's in your hands. You guide me, you lead me in the direction that you want me to go. So the next step, obviously, was having the conversation with pastor. And pastor saying, look, you need to do this because people are concerned about you. God, it's a God thing. Next step was, is, you know, thinking this is never going to, you know, happen. I'm, I got to wait five years for a deceased donor. But I make this announcement and God provides somebody who's, you know, you didn't have to talk them into it. It's something that had been on her heart and she decided to pursue it every step of the way. And I mean, we can go on and on and on, but I don't want to dominate here. You can see God working in it. And I mean, up to this very day, you can still see God working in this process. So, um, so for me, it's, it's just a rem you know, the peace and comfort that I felt throughout the whole journey. Um, I really did not have a doubt and at all that this would turn out for both of us to be that I would be fine physically especially after talking to the surgeon who assured me that it's like one percent of one percent of the population that that has you know a, a negative physical effect after surgery and so for me that you know that I really just thought like I I can't not do this you know I can't if I have, if I know that I can, and I've been approved to do it, I can't not do it. You know, just the way God, I just really believe he shielded me from like the negative, um, the attacks. I just felt ministered to um, throughout the whole journey. Our, our church, the way our church came together, there's a picture of us one morning um, that everybody came around us to pray. And to me, that just brings me to tears every time I think about it because the way our church rallied and our pastor and, you know, Nicole, they, they spent the whole day with us and our families. The day of the surgery, um, in terms of growing closer to God, I just have no doubt that, that you know, he is my protector and he is my comforter and um, watching him move through this, you know, his faithfulness has just been solidified for me. And, and how, how has the healing process been going for both of you as physically and spiritually? Good. I mean, I, for me, it, it really, even the pain afterward was not bad. I mean, I, I have two kids. I had two C-sections, honestly, in terms of physical pain, um, it, it just was, it was a laparoscopic surgery. And I think it's amazing I think we had talented, talented surgeons and, you know, I was very tired for about four to six weeks, um, but that was it. And I, you know, I have no health issues. There are some things I have to be cautious of, you know, I have to like watch what I eat and I have to be conscientious that the, the more I weigh, the more likely it is I, I could develop diabetes as well. But um, in terms of my physical, I've had no physical complications. Physically for me, it's been, it's been good. You know, I mean, if I had to rate it, I'd call it a B minus or so, B minus, B plus or B. And that's only because this is going to be a lifelong experience. Adjusting the medications, um, 
being careful about any type of infections, things of that nature, is it's going to be ongoing. Okay, I felt great. I still feel great. Unfortunately, the introduction of COVID coming in here in um, March of uh, 2020 kind of slowed things down for me because now it's like, okay, all bets are off. Stay inside. You know, close yourself down. That type of situation. Make sure you're extremely careful. So that's been a little bit tough. Spiritually, it's been excellent. Because now, again, I've learned to put my faith in God, you know, every step of the way, anything that comes up, any, um, anything that, you know, comes about now. Instead of looking to me, I look to God and say, God, guide me in this condition, guide me in this situation, give me wisdom to move forward, things of that nature. Where before, I think my first impulse was, what can I do? So it's changed me a lot. So it's been good for me. So that's been a high mark. And uh, during that experience, were there any scripture passages or verses that uh, either one of you just kind of clung to or found a lot of hope and encouragement in? Absolutely. For me, it was Isaiah 41.10. The weekend for our surgery, I was doing some, some scripture reading and it really spoke to me. And that Sunday morning, um, our worship leader had shared it with me too. And I was like, oh my gosh, Jay, like I literally have been praying over that. And then Tuesday morning at five 5.30 in the morning in, in the hospital, um, Pastor Greg came in and he said, so I have this scripture for you. And he said, it comes from the book of Isaiah. And I was like, is it 41.10? And he was like, it is. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I still you know, refer to and cling to, so. And mine was uh, Proverbs verse 3, uh, 5, and 6, because as I, you know, said when the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, do you trust me? It reminded me that trust in the Lord with all your heart and soul. Lean not in the under, uh, your own understanding and always acknowledge him and he will write your path. And, then, you know, that's been my focal point from that point on, quite frankly, so. Awesome. All right, Pastor Dreyer, is is your time to shine, <laughs> rock star. Um, I didn't forget about you. So, as the pastor for both of these individuals, what was it like just kind of watching God unfold the situation? So one of the one of the things that I saw through all of this, and something that I've communicated with the people of our church before, during, and certainly after, is Ephesians 3.20, that God is able to do immeasurably more uh, than, than anything that we would ask. And so when I think about how that verse was lived out in the life of, in our lives individually, and in the life of our church collectively, uh, Rolling Hills had been looking for a pastor for about two years and nothing, not, they had an interim for that long. No, no one was called to that uh, position. I was finishing up seminary, as I said, and so um, I wasn't available to serve anywhere until that, the, the year that I had uh, sent my resume over to Rolling Hills. Obviously, my wife and Connie, you know, they've known each other all their lives. I mean, they, you know, they're cousins, but they're close cousins. So, 
you, you saw all of these things happening. The church is praying for a pastor. I'm praying for a church. Um, I can also say, I think at the time, uh, Connie's relationship with God has been growing, had been growing at that time, but her husband's wasn't. And so even before uh, we had the, the opportunity, or, you know, when all of this happened with the, the transplant, I had started meeting with him because of some things that were going on in his life. And, and I said, you know what, let's sit down and start reading through the Bible together and discipling and, and um, let God minister in your life. And so all of these things, she's praying for her husband. Well, we didn't think that all of this would come together in a way that it did. Uh, but it goes to show how, you know, I might just be praying for that one thing, but God is capable enough to do so much more than just answer that one prayer. In answering the one prayer, he's answering five or six prayers at the same time. And that's, you know, especially leading up then to Jeff needing uh, the, a new kidney. None of us were praying about that you know, the seven year or the, uh, when I was thinking about coming to the church, but God in his faithfulness, God in his goodness, um, he brings all things together at just the right time. And so we're, uh, yeah, it's amazing to be a part of it. That's awesome. That's so cool. That's such a good point too. Cause you never think about, you know, the things that you're praying like five years prior to something major that may occur. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Pastor Dreyer, is there any way that you could kind of relate this situation back to the gospel for us? One of the, one of the ways that I see this relating, um, one of the ways I see it relating to the gospel is when we think about the, the transformative work that God does in our lives, that it's, it's certainly we're thankful for the eternal salvation. Um, but we also see the work that he does through the life and the community of the church. And the way that Christ himself exemplified this, that if there was one person who could ever be a quote-unquote Christian by himself, it was Jesus Christ. And yet he didn't even live that way. And so he surrounded himself with, with those that, that would um, in times when he had a, a need, if you will, asking them uh, before, at the Garden of Gethsemane, pray, for, pray, pray right now, be a part of this. Um, there were times where, you know, he was obviously able to, to model for them and exemplify them and obviously disciple them in how they would be able to take up his teachings and his ways and live them out. And so through all of that, you see the beauty that God gave us in his church. And so as, as Jeff and Connie both mentioned, the, the beauty of being saved into a community, that you're not saved just for the sake of salvation, you are saved and there's more to it. And the way we, we see that more lived out is through our life and our ministry in the church. And that is the opportunity to be a part of the good news that God has for this world. Then. That's a good word. Thank you. All right. Um, I don't have any further questions, um, but if you guys have any additional thoughts or comments or anything you want to include in this story, uh, please feel free to share those now. If, if I can just add 
one thing, Connie brought it up earlier. Um, you know, there were a lot of important moments that came about um, during this process, but one that was really significant to, I think, me and to all of us, this day of the surgery, I can recall us all, families, pastor and, and Nicole, sitting in one little waiting room together, okay, preparing for everything and just having a conversation. And for me, I felt like the presence of the Lord was there. It was calming everybody down, preparing us for what was going to happen. And then they, of course, separated Connie and I, took us in different directions. But the families had that opportunity to still be together. There were shared words and, you know, just shared thoughts about things like that, that went on during the day that I believe helped others as far as their walk spiritually. And Pastor, I don't know if you remember this or not, but when they, um, just before they had actually had taken me down and you and Nicole came into the, um, the room and prayed with us, the, there was an anesthesiologist that came in. It was a young man who came in and he waited for Pastor to uh, finish praying. And he came over to me and he said, um, you guys all go to church together. And I said, yes. And he said, I just started going to church. So pastor talked about the community. The community didn't have to be just rolling hills, okay? The community happened to be other family members and even one of the medical staff that got to feel the presence of the Lord. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week, but Connie, Jeff, and Pastor Dreyer, thank you so much for joining me this week and just taking the time to share uh, that awesome story about how you just saw God work so intimately and so intricately within your lives and within your church. If you would like to find out more about Rolling Hills Baptist Church and what they're doing and how you can connect with them, you can head online to their website. It's experiencegodsgrace.org. Um, and there you can check out, you know, the location where they're at. You can connect with them. Again, that's experiencegodsgrace.org. You can also find out more on Facebook, on their Facebook page. That's Rolling Hills Church on Facebook. And there you can see, you know, what they're doing, join their online services, and uh, so on and so forth. So check that all out. While you're online, you can also head over, you know what's coming next, to the Baptist Resource Network's website, that's www.brnunited.org. And there you can check out the article form of this story, as well as all of the other 50 stories of transformation that we've done up to this point. No, there's not 50 there yet, but we are working our way there. So you can check out all those stories again online at www.brnunited.org. Thank you all for joining me for yet again another transformation story. Um, I will have another one for you next week, or actually next week. Um, so here's a quick sneak peek for you guys. Um, next week, I will be joined by the wonderful Shannon Baker, who is the BRN's PA South Jersey Communications Director. And uh, she's going to join me and we're going to kind of tag team and interview together. 
we're going to talk about, you know, how we've seen God work through communications and in our lives. So look forward to that and uh, check it out. They'll be ready next week for you. But until then, have a great week, everyone.